0: of the ten minas. Some say minas, some say minas. I say minas, Ellie says minas. We'll see what you think. Yeah, Father, we just want to pray for Ellie as she shares with us this morning. We pray, Lord, that your word would not return void. We pray, Lord, for our hearts and our minds to be open and ready to learn, to receive, to understand. We pray for any distractions that might get in the way to be gone in Jesus' name so that we can all learn and grow. Amen. Amen Amen. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. good. Got some affirming nods there. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm Ellie. Got the joy of speaking to you today from Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 28. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. So we have been going through the gospel of Luke and Luke has made it clear that Jesus is coming as the promised king the king that God promised his people the Israelites in the Old Testament so the first part of the Bible for hundreds of years they've had these prophecies that someone is going to come who will restore Israel who will bring the uh, the kingdom of God on the earth and God has promised this Messiah who will who will pay for the sins of the world, who will bring people back into the presence of God. And at the time that um we're going to look at uh where should I stand? Here's okay. I'm all right. Um At this time, in uh, Luke 19, verse 11, Jesus has been going about for three years. He's been showing people the kingdom. So he's been showing them that God has the power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. He's been explaining to them that God is God of love, that we are to love our neighbor, love our enemies. Courageous, astounding love. And his kingdom has reached people that the Jews weren't expecting it to reach. See, they were oppressed by the Romans at the time, and even his kingdom sometimes reached the Romans. Like There was this Roman centurion who had a sick servant, and Jesus healed them. And that would have just blown their minds. Like, why are you being kind to these people? I thought they were our enemies, but Jesus is showing us, no, God's enemies aren't those who are not of Abraham. So Abraham's descendants. But they're those who do not trust in his Messiah, the king who is to come. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem at this point in the Gospel of Luke. He's about to enter into Jerusalem where we know, because we know the end of the story, that he is going to die on a cross for the sins of the world. He's going to raise from the dead. And then uh, after that, he's going to ascend into heaven. But the people at the time are seeing this is God's king, coming to Jerusalem which is where King David the one of the most famous ancestors ruled from therefore surely the kingdom of god is coming right now in its entirety in a very physical way jesus is going to sit on a throne in jerusalem which means that the current rulers the romans are going to have to be kicked out surely so this is a uh, imagine it's actually be quite tense i think if you imagine a nation which where people are getting ready to overthrow <laughs> A a current ruler. That's going to be tense. It's going to be like a bit scary. So Jesus tells them a story to stop and make them think. Because he's not actually bringing in a physical kingdom as they're expecting. His one is a spiritual kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven that is going to go through all nations and all peoples. So he's not limited to Israel anymore. He is breaking out. To, To help them think about this, he's telling them this parable A parable is a story with a point to it, a story with a meaning. As they, so this is um, verse 11, Luke 19, verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to, the, to them, Engage in business until I come. or well, put this to work because I am coming back as king. That's his instruction to them. Put this to work. Engage in business. Uh, and then he says, but his citizens hated him. So those who were, he was going to rule over hated him. They're not his servants. His servants are the ones that he's given the money to. His citizens hate him. And they send a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, so clearly they were unsuccessful in in saying that they didn't want him to rule, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minnas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minnas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, Here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words. You wicked servant, you knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the minna from him, and give it to the one who has ten. And they said to him, "Lord, he has ten minas." I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given; but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Thrilling story, I think. Let's just pray, Lord God. I pray that you would you would bring clarity to this story, that you would anoint my words, you'd help me to teach this, and that you'd open up our hearts to receive what you are saying to us this morning. Now, to really understand Jesus's parables, he always um, spoke about things that they were familiar with, and so this idea of a king going away and receiving kingship and coming back to us seems very strange because. Prince Charles is going to be in London receiving his kingship in the land that he is ruling. But for Jesus' day, this was actually what they'd experienced. Claimed king by Caesar in Rome, so not in Jerusalem country, in Rome. And given an army and told, go until he dies in 4 BC. When he dies, he has three sons who all want the kingdom. Um, And he leaves it in his will to... Herod Archelaus, who I'm going to call Archie because it's easy to say. Um, So you've got Herod Antipas and Herod Philip II who uh, are all vying for this kingship. So Archie then, um, he takes up his seat in Jerusalem. He's like, my dad wants me to be king, so here I am as king. But he does some terrible things to the people. They hate him. He goes away to Caesar because he doesn't actually have authority to rule there unless Caesar gives it to him. So he goes away to Caesar. Caesar's heard that the people really don't like him. And in the Roman Empire, that was actually... Not good news, because if there was a rebellious group, that was bad news for Rome. A peaceful group could flourish, it could feed the army, you know. So Caesar wasn't happy that he'd been so harsh to these people. So he doesn't send him back as a king. He sends him back as an ethnarch, which means a ruler of an ethnic group. So he's like a regional ruler. And he splits his father's kingdom between Archie... Antipas and Philip they all get a portion of it so he doesn't come back as this sovereign king that is their um, their understanding then um, 10 years later they they say again Caesar we still hate this guy Archie's horrible so eventually he exiles him puts Pontius Pilate in place so Caesar listens to the the um, protest so if you think about that story then you go to the next slide Just did some lovely pictures because I like pictures. Um, There's someone going away, people protesting, but he gets the kingship. So Archie did not get the kingship, but Jesus did. In this parable, let's read it again. It um, It says, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them to ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and, I set, and sent a delegation after him, which in Archie's case made a difference, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him. So Jesus is a king who has no rival. If you go to the next slide, he has no rival. He is the only legitimate king. He's the only one who has died for the sins of the world. He's the only one who has been raised from the dead. He's the only, for the sins of the world, that other people raised from the dead. He he is the Lord of lords, he's the king of kings, he has no one else, there's no one that comes close. Other people uh, set themselves up as king, but eventually their kingdoms will fall. Jesus has a kingdom that will never end. He has no rival, and even if men are no different, the choice that we have is whether we're going to accept his kingship or stay in rebellion against him. And what the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, and he ordered that they be slaughtered before him. If you go against the unanswered question at the end of the parable, because they, we don't hear that it's actually carried out, there's like an unanswered question over each of us. Are you going to receive Jesus or evenness from Jesus? He is the king above all kings, the name above all names. He is the highest. He is the greatest. He's the prince of peace. He's the lord of lords. And praise be to God, he is a good king. He is not a tyrant ruler. He is a good king, as we're going to find out. So then you've got these these servants. If you go to the next slide, please. So you have servants that have been faithful, and you've got the wicked servant that did nothing with what he had. Now, I want to just pick out um, three differences between these two. At the end of the parable, there's kind of a summary line where he says, to those who have, more will be given. To those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. But the thing is, what they what they'd been given at the beginning was the same each. They all had one minna. They'd all been given one minna. But the wicked treated it as nothing. He wrapped it up, he hid it, and he did nothing with it. Whereas the the faithful servant had multiplied it. He had used it. Now, these servants have been with the, the master who's about to go away and receive his kingship. They've been given something precious from him. A minna was worth a hundred days' wages. It's is a big, big amount. They received something precious and they were told, go and do something with it. So who do you think this is? Yeah. It's because the disciples had been with Jesus for three years. They'd received something from him. What had they receive from Jesus? Shout out some ideas. Love. love. Yes, they received love. What else have they received? teaching, wisdom, yes they received eternal life they received hope, they received peace they received all these glorious things miracles, yes, the ability to, God, Jesus had given them authority now to go and heal the sick, go and raise the dead, go and cast out demons they have received so much from him and Jesus is, has given them an instruction before I come back which he is going to do uh Put it to work. Do something with it. Now, I should also just say that he's not got his kingship from Caesar. Maybe that was obvious to people, but his kingship came comes from the Heavenly Father. He went up into heaven, and one day he is coming back, and in this in-between time, we've got an opportunity. We've, we've each received something from Jesus. Are we going to hide it away and count it as nothing, or are we going to do something with it? Now, the things that Jesus gives us is precious. For example, his peace. His peace is precious. This world needs peace. It's so troubled. Now people with anxiety, maybe so many of you struggle with anxiety as well, but when Jesus gives us his peace, the enemy will always try and take it away, always try and remove it from us, but let's hold on to it if we can, and if we're struggling with that, get people to, to pray with us about it. I had a, um, a, an experience back in September, where uh, this lady who, her daughter goes to uh, my daughter's nursery. And she spotted us walking into town. She said, do you want to come to a toddler group with us? Um, I hadn't spoken to this person before, but I had kind of had a feeling from the Holy Spirit that I should follow this up. This is more than just a random event. This this is going to go somewhere. Um, You might call that a word of knowledge. It doesn't, Feel that clear to me when it happens, it was more like a hunch, like a little like hmm, okay i should I should probably do this, um, so I was in town with Sophia so I thought why not we 'll go along to this toddler group, um, and then we didn 't particularly have any God chats then, uh, but it was a few weeks later where I was taking Sophia and alice to this um, to this toddler group, and I was fine bef- when I left the house. And I go through town, and it's like, it just felt like everyone in Barrie was angry. <laughs> it was like there were people shouting, there was like some drunks, there was like people swearing really loudly. And I've got my two little girls there, I'm like, oh, okay, let's just get to the toddler group. And then we're going down St. John's Street, and someone's banging in, the, in their house. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so we're getting to this toddler group, and I'm like, oh peace. Here, safe place, safe place. It's, uh, it's in the Salvation Army, beautiful beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ that are there, and, like safe place, safe people. And um, But I was still feeling frazzled. So I said, God, I feel frazzled. This has all happened. I release my anxiety in the name of Jesus. I pray that prayer a lot, by the way, probably every day. I release my anxiety in the name of Jesus. I receive your peace. Then I come um, just just out into the, into the group, and uh, my friend comes in. She goes to me, Ellie, you're always so peaceful. How do you do it? And I literally just been like, ugh. And <laughs> so I, and then I had an opportunity. Because I'd protected this, this thing that I knew God had given me, Give me his peace, I had an opportunity to share with her. And I, I knew in my head I was like, well, I could just laugh this off. Or I could actually be honest and say, well, actually, I just prayed, and Jesus, Jesus helps me. <laughs> and so I said to her, actually, I pray." And so then we had this conversation about where she's at with faith, and um, it, was, it was just a beautiful opening. But the things that God's given you are so precious, the world so needs them, and they can multiply in people's lives. So another, um, another difference between the, the wicked and the faithful is the wicked acted out of fear, and he hid what associated him with the master now he says at the end that he's afraid of the master but if you think about it the citizens where he was told to go and do business they all were saying we hate this nobleman don't let him be king so they are hostile it's a hostile place that these servants have, have been told go with what i've given you go and do business so those who are faithful to actually use what, what he'd given them in that place. They would have to be courageous. They'd have actually had to stand up and say, yes, this is my master's money and I'm going to do business with this on his behalf. That risks persecution. It risks being laughed at. It risks people saying, no, I'm not going to do business with you because I don't want him to rule over us. So the the um, the wicked hides every association with the master and the faithful actually are courageous and do something with it. Now, when I was a child, um, in my teenage years, I loved a song by Paul Oakley that was, I'm unashamed and unafraid. I will choose to wear his name in a world so full of hate. I will choose to live His way. I love this song. I could dance about to it in church, in my living room at home, in the Bible conferences. I, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm unashamed of Jesus, but I also knew in my head as I was singing it, I don't always feel this way. (laughs) Like when I was in school, I sometimes I was afraid, I was ashamed. People would start mocking Christ, and I'd be like, uh, I kind of want to hide the fact that I'm with Him. Um, and I've had this tension of I want to be unashamed but actually sometimes I am scared and it happens even now so the other day I was in, um, in nursery and the lady there just started opening up to me that she had long COVID and there was nothing that, um, that anyone could do about it and I wish I could tell you that I said to her actually there is Jesus can heal you I'm going to pray for you I didn't say that, though. In my head, I was like, oh, I should offer to pray. Oh, there's a lot of people around. Oh, I kind of just, I just want to get home. And I just did nothing. I just did nothing. I just walked out. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, why? Why didn't I share with her the precious thing that I had from Jesus? And that happens to me. But now what I've learned to do, when that moment happens, and I feel like, oh, why didn't I do something, Instead of letting the enemy come in and say, well, you're rubbish, aren't you? What a disappointment. I mean, you've got that and you did nothing with it. How terrible. That's Satan. He's the accuser. Instead now, I shut that off. I bind every accusation in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, Lord God, next time you give me an opportunity, because I've learned he is so gracious, he will give you another opportunity. Next time... Lord God I know I'm scared but I know you can give me courage to so give me courage to take it give me courage to take it so instead now of becoming like all doom and gloom or I'm a terrible person and I never share my faith I use it as a prompt to say look God I'm reminded again that I am afraid but I know that you can help me and so I turn it to prayer and then a couple of days later um I woke up from, I had this dream about, uh, in the dream there was this thing that was like a false religious spirit that was pretending to bring blessing, but it wasn't, I didn't know who it was for, and I went to this, um, this playgroup again. I have all my God moments in playgroups, it seems. Um, <laughs> it's the place to be. Um, <laughs> I went to this playgroup again, and this lady uh, who I'd been getting to know, I just had, again, I had a little a word of knowledge, or a hunch, like a, actually J. John, who's a pastor in the Anglican church, he calls it a quiver in your liver. I quite like that. The quiver in your liver. Of like, hmm, I think there's something about I think something about her husband. I need to ask her about that and whether or not he has a faith. So I did. I said to her, I asked her um, what was going on. She said, um, Well, he used to believe, but now he's kind of got involved in this other religion. And actually, she was really worried because the next day she was going to have this, people were going to come and do this ritual that was supposed to bring blessing to their business. But she didn't want it because she felt it was bringing darkness and the effect on her family was, was bad. But she didn't know what to do about it. And I was like, Oh. I had this dream this morning, and it was exactly about that. And so I, I shared it with her. I prayed for her. She came to me the next day at nursery, you guys guessed it, um, where all these things happen. Uh, and she said to me, She said, Ellie, i oh god tell you that that ritual didn't happen. I phoned them up about something else, and then they were like, Do you feel pressured for us to come round? And I was just like, Ooh. And they said, No, don't worry, we're not going to do it because we're going on holiday tomorrow. And so I was, They just didn't come. And then she had this great conversation with her husband and she just said it feels so much lighter than it did before and the hope of God, the peace of God had just broken in. It was amazing. But that's because God gave me courage. Right? Because I could have easily been like, oh no, I know I've got this quiver in my liver but I don't want to do anything on it. (laughs) But he gave me courage. I praise God he does do that. So that's The second thing, so first thing was that the the wicked thought there's nothing, it's not not precious and actually it's better to hide. And the faithful said, no, this is precious and it can multiply. The second thing, he was afraid and he hid. And the faithful were courageous even though it was in a hostile world. And the third thing is that the wicked completely misses, misunderstands the character of the nobleman. He just completely misunderstands it. He thinks it's going to be flattering to say to him, oh, I'm scared of you. You are so strong. You just take what wasn't yours. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what I've done for you because actually you're the king now. You just go and take it. And the nobleman's like, or the king rather, it's like... That's not that's not me, that's not how I operate. And then he condemns him with his own words. He's just misunderstood the character of Jesus. Whereas the faithful one has have believed the words of Jesus. He said he was coming back as king, so they have lived in a way where they are putting that into practice. They're saying, Right, I'm living in a way that where I know he's coming back as king. He's gonna expect something from what he's given me. I'm gonna believe his words. I'm gonna build my life on them, like we, we sang earlier. I'm going to build my life on his words. But to understand the character of God, it's not just worth me saying it to you. I can tell you about Jesus. You actually have to spend time with him. You have to spend time with him. Otherwise, it, it might stay in there in your head, like, oh yeah, theoretically, I know God's gracious. But until you spend time with him, you won't get it in your soul that God is gracious. He is so kind. He is so gentle. He's loving. He's faithful. He's just. He's good. I can tell you these things, but you need to spend time with him. So what I do is every morning that I'm able, not, not every morning, but many mornings I go out on a prayer walk in the morning and I just just hang out with God. I, just, I have no agenda to it, I, but I start the same way. I say, Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you want me to do well today. Because so I need to remind myself that he actually is for me. He's not a harsh person who's going to come in and just take what he likes. No, he loves me. And then I say thank you that you're going to give me everything I need for the good works that you have prepared in front of me today. You're going to give me everything I need. Because he's good and he helps us. So those are the three differences. One, uh, the wicked treated it as nothing. He hid, he misunderstood the character of God. The faithful considered it precious. They were courageous, and they believed the king. They knew him. Now, in the Bible, as this story goes on, you'll see the disciples actually moving from being more like the wicked to more like the faithful. Um, You can go to the next slide. So the disciples, when Jesus... Um, is about to be betrayed, they're all saying, oh, Lord, we'll be with you to the end. I'll give up my life for you, Jesus. I would never betray you. And then when actually the soldiers come and arrest him, they all scatter. They're afraid. They're like me (laughs) in the nursery. (laughs) I'm afraid. They're afraid. They scatter. They run. And yet when Jesus rises from the dead, he doesn't call them to himself and say, well, where were you? They could have put up another cross for you if you wanted. Where were you? He just says he he brings them peace. And in fact, he leaves them with this peace. And he says, I'm going to send you as the Father sent me. And so Jesus gathers them mercifully together and he tells them to wait for something. What does he tell them to wait for in Jerusalem? Anyone remember? The The Holy Spirit to be clothed with power from on high because he knows. We get scared. He knows we're not going to do this without him. But he is going to send us the helper who will help us. He will help us. And so they wait in Jerusalem. They're clothed with power from on high. And then they, they are his witnesses. They boldly proclaim. They're not hiding anymore. They are boldly proclaiming what Jesus has done from them. Even saying to the people in Jerusalem, you killed Jesus. I mean, that's bold. That is bold. And they're saying, he is risen from the dead. And there's this lovely uh, verse that just encapsulates this in Acts 4, chapter 13, when, when Peter and John had been arrested for boldly proclaiming Jesus. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. We need to be people who have been with Jesus. When we are spending time with Jesus, we get his character. He fills us with his spirit. He gives us courage, and we can boldly proclaim that which is precious, that which he's given us, which can multiply in the lives of people around us. So I'm going to end with a poem now, um, which I think brings us together that I've written. I'm going to ask um, Lou kindly to come up after i've after i've read this poem you can start playing your song and we're just going to um spend some time listening to jesus because i believe that the holy spirit wants to anoint us with his power for boldness today we can confess before him actually i am i do get scared i get scared in the workplace i get scared in school I wherever you are i get scared but god you can give me courage believe he wants us to give courage this morning he wants to give us his courage this morning the other thing i believe he wants to do is if you feel continually like you are a disappointment for god to god you feel like oh i keep messing up god can't possibly be pleased with me whenever you don't share your faith you're like oh i'm sorry i know i'm rubbish i think god wants to break off that from you this morning because it's not true he says to you i love you i love you and he hates the accuser who would continually tell you're a disappointment to God. He would say, no, don't you dare tell them they're a disappointment to me. I love them with an everlasting love. I gave my life for them, and I'm going to help them. They are not a disappointment. They're my precious people. I believe the Lord wants to assure you of that this morning. So I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to just uh, just listen to the Holy Spirit and let him, let him minister to us. This is called Being with the King. I'm just going to take some water. Hang on. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you, whichever part of this needs to land in our hearts, in each person's heart, would just land, Lord God. Holy Spirit, just open us up to your scripture, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Being with the King. The Holy Scriptures testify to a king who opens blind eyes. But to really see what he is like, you have to spend time with him. So each morning I have a choice. In the silence, before the noise, will I heed the gentle whispered voice that calls me to the king? And every time I do, I find a God that cares about my life. A God who wants to be with me, and I want to be with him. Those times when night is far too short and pillow seems to hold me fast, a king, uh, sorry, I'm grateful that your persistent call lifts up my eyelids at last and I go and find you, knowing strength and everything I need today is received as we walk at length and bleary eyed and honest pray. As I open up my heart in prayer, I realize he's already there. It's like he's been waiting to share. The truth of who he is in this precious moment with me. And you know who I found this king to be, leaping into the present from history. He's a God of justice whose mercies never cease. And he's kind beyond my wildest dreams. He's a king who continually serves the weak, not as a one-off for publicity, but always and consistently laying his life down for the least. He's the first and the last, beginning and end, mighty God and closest friend. Earth rejoices, heaven sings for the God of hope, the Prince of Peace. He satisfies his children with all good things. He feeds the hungry, he sees the unseen, he touches the untouchables and makes the desert sing. The barren wasteland, he turns into springs, this the power of the King. And the light that he fans into flame as we tread that long grass in prayer each day glows warm and bright till evening because I've been with the king. Sometimes people will remark that while the world seems to grow dark, yet in us there's an enduring spark. But here's the simple thing. It's because we've spent time with the king And he's shown us what he sees from his throne over history. And he tells us not to fear because he knows what will be. Yet there are times when I am afraid to stand tall and wear your name for fear of what other people say. Forgive me, Lord, my king. Give me courage to run the race and not to fear the hostile face, but to not to shrink back, but to make it plain that I'm a servant of the king. All that you entrust to me, I pray that you will help me learn to invest unashamedly in expectancy of the King's return. As you come in glory at the last, all people present and people past will give honour and worship Him, Jesus Christ, our King, for by Him and for Him all things were made. He is the name above every name. The kingdom, the power, the glory are His. He's Jesus Messiah. He is King and on the day of your coming, I pray it might be clearly seen that my whole life has been shaped by this. I have been with him. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you love being with us. I thank you that we get to be with you, that you want to show us what you're like. You don't want to keep yourself hidden from us. You want us to know the character of God, to be courageous in our knowledge of the character of God. The Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak now to each person. Lord God, just speak to us, Lord Jesus. We will quiet our hearts before you and just listen to that voice. If you don't know how to pray, just start praying, God, show me who you are. Just pray that in your heart. Show me who you are. And let's just see see what he says. Thank you.